0: This podcast is presented to you by Passion Church and their campus in Montgomery, Alabama. For more information, visit www.mypassion.church. Family that you belong to uh, in your humanity, whether it's the Braswell family or the Bush family or whatever uh, your family is, the Hudgens family... Uh, wh- whatever your family is, but also it's about the family of God. And so we're going to be talking about uh, <clears throat> doing life together, and that's really what God meant for us to be. And you know, this is something that I think in our particular culture, the American culture, uh, that we, need to, we have to focus on a little bit more because historically and everything, we are very independent people. That, that's our history, that's our culture, you know, you, 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 you deal with stuff, we, you know, we're almost to, the, almost to the extreme point. We don't want nobody messing with our me- stuff, nobody messing with our business, we're very independent people. And you know, the good side of that is it's built a great nation. But the opposite side of that is, is that it tends to keep us isolated and separated so that we're not able to accomplish all that we could. It would be good even in our natural culture if we could all remember that point. You know, because if we're all living in a house and I'm mad at you and you're mad at me and I decide I'm going to burn your half of the house down, (laughs) guess what might happen? My half might burn with it, hadn't it? (laughs) And sometimes, you know, I think we forget that. But sometimes even in the body of Christ we do. So we want to talk about doing, we were made uh, to be together in families. In God's original creation, what did He create? He created a family, didn't He? He created a family. It's interesting, if you look, why don't we turn there to Genesis 2, just to kind of get us kicked off here. Genesis 2 and 18, we're going to read there in just a moment. God, if if you're familiar with Genesis, you know... Especially in the first chapter, it talks about God making the heavens and the earth, and God made the land and the sea and the, and the birds and all, the fish and everything. And after everything, each day of His creation, God says, it is good. It is good. It is good. It is good. And all that. And then, of course, the last day, the sixth day, God made man or mankind. <clears throat> Verse 18, the Lord God said, it is not good. And all of God's original creation, everything He said, it's good, it's good, it's very good, it's good, it's good. And all of a sudden, God finds something by His own measurement, by His own judgment. So it had to be right, didn't it? He found something that was not good. And what was it? It's not good for the man to be alone. And if it wasn't good in a perfect creation before sin... For man, mankind not to be alone, it's certainly now after the fall and the ravages of sin, it certainly could, can't be good for us to still be alone, can it? God has determined that we should be in families. He puts something in our natural and our spiritual DNA that, that says we need a family. We need to be in relationship with other people. It's important. Whether they're just like us or not, whether their personality is different, whether their skin color is different, whether their background is different, is irrelevant. Thank you for that two head nods and one come on. It's still irrelevant. I like that song, I forget who sings it. We all bleed the same. Y'all heard that song? Oh, it's good. It's good, isn't that right? And it's true, isn't it? We all bleed the same. We all breathe the same air. We're all made in the image of God. God has a plan and a purpose for us. And so we need to understand it's not good for us to be alone. It's not good for us to do life alone. And, it, and especially as the body of Christ. It's not good for us to isolate ourselves from one another. We need to come into relationship. I know we're not perfect. My gosh, if you're just figuring that out by now, boy, you just, you just came around, didn't you? I know we're not perfect, are we? We're children of God. God's made us brand new, but we're still growing. We're still learning. We got this stuff right here on the outside. And this thing up here, that bump on your shoulders. I'm still trying to get mine in perfect working order. How about you? So we're not perfect. But that doesn't mean that we can't, by the grace of God, by the love of God, by the Spirit of God, we can still work together as family And the potential that's in this room when we all uh, work together by the Spirit of God, by the love of God, by the faith of God, by all the talents, the creativity, all the potential that's in this room, it's phenomenal. It's phenomenal. And so we're doing life together. God says He wanted us to. I call it God's family plan. You know, if you've got insurance, you know, you can get a, you know, the individual uh, uh, a payment plan or you can get the family plan. If you've got a cell phone, you can get an individual plan or you can get the family plan. But you know what? They were, the marketers weren't the first one to come up with the family plan. It was God's plan before it was anybody else's plan. It's the family plan. And I want to tell you what. I don't care what the purveyors of, the, you know, the progressive uh, uh, culture and, and all those people have about, you know, what family should look like and what family. that Nobody's going to improve on God's plan. Amen. 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 And God put his family together. And he said, when he saw the family together, he said, now that's good. Family's good. Family's good. You know, uh, you know, in all our family, we have uh, those crazy eccentric people, don't we? You have one in your family? Yeah. I mean, maybe you. I don't know. <laughs> Just kidding. It probably wasn't my family. You know, we used to, used to, in my generation, we called them the black sheep, you know, the odd, the eccentric one and everything, you know, whatever. You know, we all have the, you know, you know and, but, you know, God says, you know what? We're still to love them. We're still to love family. We're to, we're to love those oddballs, those quirky ones, those ones that hadn't quite figured out what life is all about and how important it is to have a relationship with Jesus. We're to love those people too, aren't we? Those are the people we're especially supposed to love. Isn't that right? And that love is what draws them to Jesus, and Jesus is the one that can make them whole, just like He's working on us, making us whole. It's not my job to fix everybody. Well, I'm telling you what, when you you get rid of your god complex, boy, you're going to have some peace. <laughs> see, sometimes we get I remember when I first got saved, I thought, "Man, I got to set the world right. I got to get everybody. Man, we got to, you know, we and we certainly want to see people saved. We want to see people come to the Lord. Of course we do. But you know, my job is not the savior. Oh, hallelujah. <sighs> Just put yourself at risk. But mine is what? Is to give people the good news in love. Isn't that right? And then they decide what they want to do. It's the family plan. And you know what? Everyone needs someone. Look over in Ecclesiastes. That's right after Proverbs. That's an easy, easy, easy way to find it. Find Proverbs. Everybody knows where Proverbs is, right? Just hang a right. Everyone needs someone. Everyone needs someone. Now, I know, I know uh, in my, especially my parents' generation, some of you can relate to this, you know. Uh, you know, my dad was uh, real independent, and he didn't think he needed anybody. You know, that was just, and I mean, I, it was just, you know, that was a generation that, you know, they fought in World War II, and they won it, and, you know, and they they did some marvelous things. They built a tremendous uh, uh prosperity and culture and uh, you know and that we were all blessed from but they were super independent oh my gosh they didn't think they needed anybody i can do it on my own you know but you know there was a whole lot of tragedy too because people who tried to do it on their own weren't able to do it on their own look here in ecclesiastes 4 verse 9 two are better than one say that with me two are better than one and that what that's the bible isn't it because they have a good return for their labor if either one of them falls down one can help the other up and that's true about the body of christ That's what we're about here at Passion Church. This is why we talk about, you know, relationships are so important. Our relationship with with the Father and with Jesus, of course, but also our relationship with one another. Because what? Two are better than one. If one of us stumble, if one of us are going through a difficulty or a hard time, there's someone else that can help strengthen us, that can encourage us, that can pray with us, that can believe with us, that can share with us. Come on, that's what it's about. It says two are better than one. If either one of them falls, one can help the other up. But pity the one who falls and has no one to help them up. Wow, that's true, isn't it? I'm going to tell you what. You know, I've, I've made it through this far through life thanks to God, first of all, amen, absolutely. But also, I'm sure I'm glad I had someone to help me. Amen. And I've had uh, Cindy, Pratt, first of all and foremost, of course, but I've had so many others that have helped me too, that have prayed for me, have believed in me, encouraged me, helped me when I needed it, you know. And that's the reason I'm still here. It's not because, you know, I'm so uh, super smart and super spiritual and, and got, did it all right and got it all right and dotted every I and crossed every T the way it needed to be. It's because I've had others who have come alongside and have helped me when I needed it. Anybody else relate to that? Absolutely. Absolutely. So it's almost important. We need to understand we're better together, aren't we? We're better together. We're always strong. You know, there used to be a term It's kind of fallen out of, you know, they don't use it as much now, catch words, even in business or, in, it, you know, uh, it was called synergism. Remember that? And it, it was, you know, that... Uh, that the, all the parts working together were greater than the sum of them working individually. And there's something about that. You know, it's like if you were, were going to lift uh, 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 something that was heavy. Two of you together could lift more than each of you separately even if they added it together. There's just something about that that works out. It's true. It's true not only physically, but it's true mentally. It's true in a business project. It's true uh, also spiritually. There's just something, the way God has created the universe, uh, uh, and we are better together. You know, I used to have the old saying, two heads are better than one. Isn't that right? You know, because, you know, This is one of the reasons why pride, uh, God hates pride so much because pride has to do with independence. You know, really, and that was the original sin of Lucifer, wasn't it? Pride, I don't need God. I can do it on my own. I know how to do this. You know, and we've all, especially if you've been a parent, you know, you can remember when your children hit that phase in life. You know. Where they knew better than mom and dad. They could do it better than mom and dad. Some of you may be in that phase now. We're gonna be praying for you. No. <laughs> you know, but there you know, there's that independence. And, of course, we want our children to grow up and be independent of us, of course. That's healthy. But you know what I'm talking about. And so that independent spirit, you know, that's why pride, God hates pride so much, because pride brings that independent spirit in that separates us not only from God, which is, of course, the ultimate, but it separates us sometimes from one another. It separates us. And anything that separates us is not from God. Are you listening? It's not, God didn't come to separate us. He came to what? Make us whole and unite us. Amen? Amen? Amen. It is a heavenly pattern. Look at Ephesians 3. Now, we already looked in Genesis, and we see that God there in the original creation of mankind, humanity, He made a family, Adam and Eve. He said, be fruitful and multiply. He said, create a family. It creates a family. And so we see the heavenly pattern here, and I just want to touch on it for a moment as we really introduce and set up uh, this series about doing life together. Doing life together in families. For this reason, verse 14, I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. Isn't it interesting that Jesus in his day, was a revolutionary person, not only because of who he was, of course, but also he brought a revelation that was brand new to the Jewish nation. He began to talk about God, Yahweh, as Father. Look in the Old Testament, you can't find it. They had no understanding of God as Father. They didn't relate to Him that way. They related to Him as the lawgiver. They related to Him as the judge. They related to Him as an omnipotent God, as someone to be feared, and all those things. But nowhere do you see a revelation that He was Father until Jesus began to talk about it and reveal it. And all of a sudden, there began to be a, a new understanding about this God, this Creator, this mighty God, this powerful God. That He was a Father. That He was a God of love. He was a God of mercy. He was a God of compassion. He was a God about families. And that all the families, in, not only in heaven but on earth, derived their identity from the heavenly father, the heavenly fa- family, because there was a father and there was a son. There was a family. And Jesus began to reveal that to us. And here it was, the heavenly par- pattern. It was this. There was unity and purpose. Unity and purpose. Jesus said over there in John 10, he said, I and my father are one. You remember that? And boy, the Jews, whoo, the religious people of his day, they were ready to just kill him. They were ready to kill him. How dare you say that? How dare you say that? It was so revolutionary. They had a hard time wrapping their mind around the idea that God could be a father. Now, God could be a judge. I got that. And you know, even today... In some circles of Christianity, it's easier for some Christians to to grab hold of the idea that God is a judge quicker than they can that God is a father. Something bad happens, we immediately associate that that had to be God. You know why? Because God's a judge. I mean, he's the judge of all the... He's going, And that's all true. But see, we think he's out to get us. But Jesus brought a revelation of the father... I mean, remember when he gave the, the parable of the prodigal son? Wow. That, that, wasn't, that wasn't a Moses law thing that he was talking about there. I mean, you know, if the prodigal son had done that under the, the old covenant, he'd have, been, he'd have been disowned, possibly stoned. He sure wouldn't have been welcomed back. He was giving us a picture of family, of the Father. And there was unity in, per- in their purpose because Jesus... The Father uh, uh, originated the plan, and Jesus came to bring about the finished part of the plan, and the Holy Spirit is in operation today to enforce the plan. So there's unity and purpose. It was a family. Not only unity and purpose, but there was harmony in their actions harmony in their actions. Remember in John 14, he said, he said, though, he said, the works that I do, he said, they're not for me. He said, it's the father's works. Whatever I see the father do, he said, that's what I'm doing. Whatever I hear the father say, that's what I'm saying. Isn't that right? He told Philip, he said, if you've seen me, you've seen the father. There was one. And you know, wouldn't it be great If we could say the same thing, if you've seen me, you've seen Jesus. If you you come to Passion Church, you'll see Jesus. You'll see the Father. You'll see what He's about. He's about love. He's about forgiveness. He's about healing. He's about restoration. This is what it's about. Family. We're talking about family, a heavenly pattern, God's plan. We're doing life together. It's better together. Say that with me. It's better together. And love, of course, in everything, in the the family of God, love is the motivation. Isn't that right? When we share the gospel with other people that don't know Him, what's our motivation? Love. Isn't that right? If somebody, if you were out taking a hike and you all of a sudden you heard some cries for help, coming up ahead and you went around and you saw there was a ravine there and somebody had fallen in that ravine, maybe even injured themselves, would you stand there and lecture them about their carelessness? (laughs) What in the world? Only a crazy person would let themselves be fallen into a ravine like this. What were you thinking? What's the matter with you? But sometimes in Christianity, don't we do that with people? You dirty old sinner. Boy, I'm telling you, you're going to bust hell wide open. They don't need to know that they're sick. They need the cure. That's right. That's right. The law is really good about showing you what's wrong with you. The law is like a mirror. When you look into a mirror, and I imagine most of us at least glanced in a mirror today, didn't we? When I look in the mirror, All it does is reflect back to me what I look like. I'm not always happy with that. (laughs) You probably are because you're so young and pretty and handsome. But, you know, uh, but I can't get mad at the mirror and bust and break the mirror, curse the mirror. All the mirror's doing is showing me what I am. And see, when we look in the law, all the law can do is reflect back, this is what I am. I come up short. I don't, I don't meet God's righteous requirements. I, maybe I meet it over here, but over here I fail. Maybe you meet it where I fail, but over here you don't measure up. That's all the law can do. The law can't make you any prettier. My mirror, I can look at my mirror all day long. I won't get one day earlier. I won't get any more hair on my head. The gray won't go away. It, I mean, no matter how, I can stare at it till I fall down. And I, I'm still, all it's going to do is, is show me what I am. It cannot change me. That's all the law can do. But if I look into the perfect law of liberty, which is grace, then the Bible says as we look into that, we're all changed by the Spirit of God from glory to glory. So it's not a matter of me telling people, you know, that you're sick. You know, when you go and visit somebody, the Bible talks about this. It talks about this is, and this is one of the ministry gifts that God gives in his body is uh, the the gift of going and visiting the sick. And it says in there, if you read in the the Greek, it says, let him who goes to visit the, the, the sick do it with a cheerful countenance. You ever seen somebody come in the room where somebody's sick and all of a sudden, you know, I mean, you know, they look like they need to pull up a bed beside them. And I know, you know, and I'm not trying to be critical, but you know, that's not what they need to see. They're dealing with their pain. They're dealing with their sickness. They hear all the bad reports every day that, you know, again, you know, about this is wrong with you, this is wrong, this test, that test. I mean, they need some good news. They need to see somebody with a smile on their face. They need to see, hear somebody that's got some, some joy, some faith, some encouragement coming into the room. They need some sunshine in there. They don't need you to bring your cloud in with you. Bring some sunshine. So love is the motivation. And so we're we're talking about doing life together, Passion Church. And I'm I'm convinced of this. Listen, if we, this group, this family that's here right now, if we will continue to be committed to do life together, God will do some awesome things through us in our city. And I say that not because I've got some special revelation, but because I've got this revelation, amen, <laughs> if we will do what God says, if we will listen to God, and, and we will do life together, as God says, we can't help but growth, we can't help but grow, because where there's life, there's going to be growth, amen. and as we have opportunity, we, we begin to not only meet like this, but we, we meet together in small groups of five, eight, ten together, we do life together in that particular forum, in that venue as well, then the, you know what? Life is going to begin to be multiplied. Life is going to begin to flow out of us to our neighbors, to our co-workers, uh, to, our na- uh, to people around us. And where there is life, you know what? People are going to be whole. People are going to come to Jesus. People are going to be drawn in. And, and so there will be Growth. And, you know, we don't have to fret. You know, I've seen this happen with people who are in need of healing. You know, when, when you're sick, when you're not feeling well, when you're in pain, I'm telling you what, that can be your whole world, can't it? If you've never had that, then you're excused from this conversation. But I'm telling you people, i told people all the time, the only thing i found out when I've had pain, the only good thing about it is when it left. In our circumstance, but it it could be that, it could be your circumstances, it could be your finances, it could be anything. It's so easy to get focused on our circumstances because they speak loudly, don't they? You better know it. You've never had any circumstances then if you don't know that. They speak loud. Sure they do. They're speaking to you. And you know, and then fear wants to come and pile in with your circumstances, Anybody know what I'm talking about? Man, oh man. And not only is it bad, it's, it's either at best it's not going to get any better and it's probably going to get worse. That's what fear tells you, isn't it? And you're looking at that and you're looking at that. You know, you need something that can break that cycle. And when you're in the middle of it, that's where someone that is outside your circumstance can come in. And begin to help you bring a focus away from your circumstances long enough to connect with what God can do. And with what God wants to do. This is why we need one another. Anybody got any circumstances? If you're breathing, you got some. They may be good, they may be okay, or they may be really bad. But you got some circumstances, don't you? You know what? The word circumstance comes from the Greek word. It means to surround. And sometimes we can feel like we're surrounded. This is why we need family. You know, when, in, the, in, the, in the days when they were moving west in this nation and settling uh, the west, you know, the days of manifest destiny. If you remember your history from, I don't know if they still teach it that way anymore. I give away my age. But they were going west. You know, the wagon trains, remember all that? And, you know, whenever they would come under attack, you know what they did? They didn't, you know, each wagon didn't go run over here and this one run over there and that one run over here and try to fight. They what? They circled the wagons, didn't they? And they unified all the families, became what? One family. To fight, what? A common enemy. And here in the body of Christ and in Passion Church, we only have one enemy. One enemy. It's the devil. Are you listening? The government's not the enemy. Amen. People of different ethnicity from you, they're not the enemy. Are you listening? They're not the enemy. See, what would happen if they circled the wagons and then started shooting at each other? Their enemies would say, Boy, these crazy pale faces. They're nuts. I mean, they circled their wagons, they had the advantage, and then they started shooting each other. You know, we read the book, we've got all the advantages of being in Christ Jesus. We've got all the mighty weapons of God, of, of God's weaponry. We've got the armor of God, the name of Jesus and all that. And what do we do with it? We shoot one another with it. You know how you shoot somebody? This thing right here. Yeah. Well, I don't like them. I don't like the way they do things. I don't like the way they look to me. I don't like, you know, whatever. And we're shooting at one another. That's right. Divide and conquer. Let's look over there real quickly. Mark 3. How many of you believe Jesus knew what he's talking about? Amen. All right. Um, I'm going to hold you to that. Listen to this. 324. Mark 324. If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand if a house is divided against itself that house cannot stand now if a kingdom okay so if a kingdom the kingdom of God would be a kingdom wouldn't it so if the kingdom of God is divided against itself Jesus said what if a church is divided against itself what if your family is divided against itself what Satan desires to destroy the family plan. That is his I mean that is his bottom line strategy. He wants to divide and conquer. He wants to bring division in your marriage, division between you and your kids, he wants to bring division between you and your mother-in-law. <laughs> He wants to bring division in the body of Christ. He wants to bring racial division, gender division, any, anything that you can think of that, that we see dividing our nation or trying to divide families, uh, the family unit or the church. Guess who's behind it? It's not the Republicans behind it. It's not the Democrats behind it. It's the devil behind it. Yeah, I went there. See, you can disagree with somebody without being divisive. Are you listening? See, just because we disagree doesn't don't mean we have to be divided. Your opinion can be different from mine. Yours, I'm, I might find out that yours is better than mine, but it don't need to, don't need to divide us. Isn't that right? I mean, that, there's probably a lot of different ways to go from here to California. No use getting mad at me because you want to go the southern route and I want to go the northern route or vice versa. And we get all uptight. Well, I ain't having nothing to do with them people who go the northern <laughs> route. Isn't it so? I mean, really, if you step back and look at some of the stuff, it's just plain silly, a lot of it, isn't it? But that's why I'm not saying that we all gotta just, you know, we're gonna be zombies and we're all gonna think just just like I think. We can you can be independent of that, but we can still agree. Love is what binds us together. Our purpose is what binds us together. What? We all want to get to California. (laughs) If that's our purpose. But we don't need to get all mad and shoot at each other because, you know, somebody wants to go this route and somebody wants to go that route. The satanic strategy. Strife, discord, selfishness, and conflict. Look over in James real quick. I still got five minutes according to my watch. So I'm not even on your time yet. James chapter 5. Excuse me, James 3. Notice this. He says, uh, uh I'm in... Turned too many pages there. Now that looks right. He said, uh, let's back it up to verse 14, if you will. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. What does the devil want to do? He wants to sow strife, conflict. He wants us to get, you know, shooting at one another by the words of our mouth, doesn't he? Boy, we see that happening in our nation, don't we? I don't know about you, but I want to be part of the solution, not not part of the problem. Amen? And we can disagree, but you know what? We can disagree agreeably, can't we? Sure we can. You don't have to see everything exactly the way I do for us to have fellowship, for us to be a part of the family of God. Man, I'm telling you. See, isn't it the height of pride when I think I know better than everybody else? I'm smarter than 300 and something million people. Wow. <laughs> we don't think about it that way sometimes, do we? Maybe we need to pause and think. Maybe somebody's got a point. But we can still walk in love, can't we? Thank you for your enthusiasm. Here's the thing it comes down to this fixing the blame or fixing the problem. We're doing one of the two. Isn't that right? When, there, when there's a problem, when there's a conflict, we're either, we're either fixing the blame. They did it, he did it, she did it, they did it, it's their fault, it's his fault, it's her fault, their fault. You know, we even let that, I can understand that in the world, but we get let it get into the body of Christ sometimes. Jesus said, when you ha- there's a conflict between a brother or a sister, he said, go and fix the problem, not fix the blame. And now what he said, he even told us how to do it. But, we, but here's, here's our solution sometimes. We have a problem with somebody, in, you know, in, in, in church or in the body of Christ. Here's how I fix it. I ain't coming back. You, you know, and you go somewhere else and you carry that poison with you there. You're still mad at the last church you went to. <laughs> You're all puffed up like one of those puffed toads, you know. Sure, sure enough, somebody over there is going to poke you and they're going to get some of that poison out of you too. But, you know, he says, if you have a disagreement, if you have something against your brother or sister, he said, go to them. Yeah. Tell them what it is. Be reconciled to them. Yeah. Yep, right. Don't get all puffed up. and Start, you know, spreading the poison to everybody else in the body, in the family. Amen. I know families that, you know, not not just Christians, but family members have been mad at each other for 35 years. They ain't spoke. Holy cow. Whatever that is. (laughs) (laughs) So, the cure. Do we know the cure? Sure, you know the cure. But let's read it, and then we're going to close. Ephesians 4. Read some verses there. Verse Two or three, and then we'll skip down. Verse two says, Be completely humble and gentle. Wow. I said, Wow. You ever seen two completely humble and gentle people have a knockdown, drag out fight? <laughs> that doesn't even make sense, does it? Be patient. Wow. Bearing with one another in love. If we were all perfect, we wouldn't have to do any of this, would we? I mean, he's writing to spirit-filled Christians here. He's not writing, this is not written to sinners. This is spirit-filled Christians. Tongue talking. Jesus believing. He said, be patient with one another. He said, bear with one another in love. Make every effort. To keep the unity of the Spirit. Every effort. Well, I'm going to try a little bit, but if they don't straighten up, that's it. (laughs) Why? Because there's one body, one Spirit, one family, just as you were called into one hope. Then look down in verse 29. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. That's not just about cussing, folks. Are you listening to me? One guy said, he said, I I don't cuss, smoke, dip, or kick the cat. And we think they're holy. But we spread gossip about people. We find out people has got a fault. Oh, isn't that a surprise? But then we go and spread it. The Bible says love covers a multitude of Of sins, doesn't it? God didn't call us to spread it. He called us to cover it. You got your job description wrong. But only what is helpful for building others up. We're talking about doing life together. What are we called to do? Build one another up. Encouraging, faith-filled, love-filled, hope-filled words. According to their needs. What do they need at the moment? What kind of encouraging word do they need at the moment? You ever been been less than your best self at any time in your life? Boy, howdy doody. You've had those days when you were less than your best self. You know what I mean by that, don't you? We all have. At that point in need, I don't need you to pile on me. I need, you, I need you to encourage me and say, I know you better than that. <laughs> I mean, you may be thinking, I sure hope so, but at least tell me, I, I know you're better than that. <laughs> According to their needs. That, they, that it may benefit those who listen. What's the benefit about? Not about me. It's not about you p- being pleasing to me. It's about me edifying you. We're talking about doing life together. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit. Isn't it interesting that right in the midst of all this, he talks about don't grieve the Holy Spirit. If you look at the context of this, then it seems to me he's saying that if I'm speaking unwholesome words toward my brother and sister, I'm grieving the Holy Spirit. I've said this before, but it's true. You can't come up to me and say, you know, Pastor Norris, ah, man... I think you're the greatest, but I can't stand your wife. How do you think that's going to go across? You think you and I are going to be friends. I'm going to love you and the Lord, but we ain't going to be friends. But isn't that true? But aren't we saying that, Lord, I love you, but boy, I can't stand your daughter, your son. How do you think that comes across God's ears? It grieves the Holy Spirit. He said, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, slander, malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another. Wow. I know that we don't shout about this like we do if we talk about, you know, God, you know, blessing your finances. <laughs> but if you, this may be why your finances aren't blessed. Because right. yeah. faith works by love. Be kind, compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. So, here's the thing. God forgave you of most of your sins, except some of the big ones. So, if we forgive others as God in Christ forgave us, how much have we got to forgive other people? How much? How much? Even when you don't feel like it, you forgive, right? Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly beloved children, and walk in the way of love just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice of God. You know, it's a sacrifice to forgive someone who has wronged you. Human nature is, I'm, I'm, you want to get even, that's human, that's the fallen, fleshly, carnal nature. I'm, you know, I told you, man, I, I, I grew up before I got saved. I told you, you know, I had a fuse about this long because I was kicked and put down by everybody. Everybody. <laughs> Family, everybody. Nobody had a, I can't remember a kind word being said to me. So I had a fuse about this long. And when I got old enough, I didn't take nothing off of nobody. I don't care how big you are. You may whoop me, but you're gonna have it to do. That's what was my attitude. (laughs) You know, that's not a very good attitude, a smart attitude to have. But you know, that's the way it was. You know, but that—that was what—that was my fleshly nature, that carnal nature. It was just like, you know, okay, you kick and cuss me enough. That's it. It's on now. And so we have to learn that's not our nature now. That's not who we are now. We're in Christ Jesus. We're a brand-new creature. I'm going to let love dominate me. But it still takes a sacrifice, just like he said about Jesus. It's a sacrifice. What? When we're compassionate, compassionate, kind, forbearing, patient, gentle, forgiving. I'm telling you what, that's a sacrifice. Oh, look at me so holy out there. All right, action points real quickly. Are you independent-minded? Minded or family-oriented? I don't need nobody. Are you family-oriented? Because when you're family-oriented, that means what? I'm committed to my family even though they're imperfect. I'm committed to my family even if they say something or do something I don't like. You know, in Paul's day, he wrote to the church that was at Ephesus or the church that was at Corinth. You know, there was only one church in the city. Sometimes I think, I wish it was still that way, because nowadays, see, if you get if you get mad at me, you just go to another church. But in their day they couldn't. There was only one church there. <laughs> that might have worked out better, hadn't it to you? They want another one to go. <laughs> Where are you going to go to? But are you family oriented? Do your actions say it? Is something hindering your family relationship? whether it's your immediate family or in the body of Christ, you need to go and get it right. Jesus said, if your brother has ought against you or you have ought against your brother, go to your brother, go with humility, go with meekness, go with forgiveness in your heart, even if you were the one that were wronged." He said, and get it right. Yeah. Amen. Get it right. Isn't that, isn't that true? You, you ever had just a just a... a just a uh, maybe a uh, your elbow or a toe or something or an ankle that that was that was injured just a little bit or it was sore. Isn't it amazing how just a small part of your body can be like that? And man, it affects everything you do, isn't it? It can affect you. You, you walk funny, you, you know. You're careful that nobody bumps into your arm, or isn't it true? And when we have these hurts, you know, in 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 the church and all. You know, that everybody's you know, shrinking up because, you know, we've all been hurt and we didn't do what Jesus said. To, because when you forgive, you get wholeness. When you forgive, you get free. When you forgive others, there's wholeness. That comes. And when we're all whole and well, spiritually and emotionally, then you know what? We're not afraid of each other. I'm not afraid you're going to bump into something here. We're not guarded. We're not, you know, all of a sudden we're open with one another. And when we're open with one another, we're open with God, aren't we? Okay. The last one, are you willing to fix the problem? Remember what I said? We either fix the blame or we fix the problem. Which are we doing? Fixing the blame or fixing the problem? Let's pray. Father, today as we look at and have looked at the heavenly pattern family we're talking about doing life together you made us to do life together you brought us together here lord under the banner of what we call passion church but lord we're in your body we're part of the body of christ we're we're part of the heavenly family and and you've ordained at this time that we are together in this place fulfilling that part and that purpose you have for us called Passion Church. And Father, this morning, I pray that wherever forgiveness is needed, wherever reconciliation is needed, Lord, that, that we will go to the person and we will get it right. It may, be, it may be in our own families at home or extended family. It may be here in the family of Passion Church, but wherever it is, Lord, may there be a reconciliation. May there be a forgiveness that's released. May there be a a healing and a wholeness come to us like we've never experienced before so that we will no longer be fearful of one another, suspicious of one another, having to be so closed and careful, but we can be open, we can be free, we can be ourselves. And you can work through us to make a difference in our community. Father, I thank you for that. In the name of Jesus. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. We hope you've enjoyed it and pray that you are blessed by God's word.